Hello, everyone. We have actually reached the end of our Unions in the Mob Part 2, the ILA series. There are seven parts to that, plus this one, which this is a preview for. And we're going to be talking about the movie On the Waterfront, which is a, a movie, you know. I mean, it's critically acclaimed. I personally didn't like it, but also there's lots of stuff to talk about. So uh, if you want the full thing, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash workstoppage. It's the only way that we get any money for doing this project, which takes a lot of work. And so we really appreciate it if you'd support us. Otherwise, you can jump in the Discord, message one of the admins, and we will hook you up with the series. I actually still need to update that thing. Anyway, besides that, I hope you enjoy the preview and solidarity. Yeah, I mean, just to sort of frame this, if you haven't listened to the the seven-episode series we just finished on the history of allegations of corruption and mafia involvement in the International Longshoremen's Association, the ILA. I definitely recommend you check that out, uh, or at least the first two episodes, uh, where we talk about the period that led uh, up to the era that this movie is portraying. Uh, But the movie itself, On the Waterfront, was specifically inspired by a series of investigative stories uh, in a paper called The New York Sun that was published in uh, 1948 about mafia involvement in the ILA at the Port of New York. The series uh, eventually went on to win a Pulitzer Prize the next year in 1949 and was widely seized on by politicians, businessmen, and their captured press outlets as proof of the inherent immorality and corruption in organized labor. The investigative series helped inspire the 1951 formation of the New York Crime Commission to investigate crime in the Port of New York, eventually leading to the formation of the Bi-State Waterfront Commission, which we discussed extensively in the ILA series, in 1953. The film's director, Elia Kazan, intended the film to be a response to those who had criticized him for betraying fellow Hollywood workers to the House Un-American Activities Committee during the height of McCarthyism, when he testified that eight of his fellow workers were communists, ratting them out directly to uh, basically the hive of reaction in the United States. The film's portrayal of collective organization of workers as always being for dishonest, extortionist purposes unsurprisingly reveals far more about Kazan than those he was attacking. Kazan was at the time, and is still in some spaces, uh, rightly considered uh, to be a rat who sold out his friends to an oppressive government witch hunt. Uh, and actually, to speak to that, we, I do actually have the opportunity to play one of my favorite clips from director Orson Welles, where he directly addresses this topic. Elie Kazan said that it was not easy in America to raise funds to make films on Puerto Ricans and In that case, it was not easy to find money to make such a film. Dear Mademoiselle, you have chosen the wrong metteur en scène. Vous avez pris le mauvais metteur en scène. Because Elie Kazan is a traitor. Et parce qu'Elie Kazan est un traître. He is a man who sold to McCarthy all of his companions qui a vendu tous ses compagnons McCarthy at a time when he could continue to work in New York à une époque où il pouvait continuer à travailler à New York à un très haut salaire. 
And having sold all of his people to McCarthy, he then made a film called On the Waterfront, which was a celebration of the informer. Et, et après avoir vendu tous ses amis à McCarthy, il a fait un film qui s'appelle Sur les quais et qui est une glorification du mouchard. And therefore, no question which uses him as an example can be answered by me. Et par conséquent, toute question qui euh, se serve de son nom comme exemple ne pourra trouver de réponse auprès de moi. I have to add, I have to add that he is a very good director. Je dois ajouter que c'est un excellent metteur en scène. I have to add that he is a very good director. Orson was like, understandably, a lot of people had beef with him, but goddamn, he was a real motherfucker, wasn't he? <laughs> well, it's one of the things, like, Orson Welles was so self-assured that he was like, I am one of the greatest directors of all time, to the point, mm -hmm. you know, of sometimes very haughty statements. That I feel like that gave him, like, the position where he could just be brutally honest about everything <laughs> i've never seen a clip of him holding his tongue i'll say that <laughs> yeah. so for uh other people who are not movie buffs like me what movies has orson wells done uh so orson wells is uh, considered one of the greatest american directors of all time uh he direct but he you know most of the movies that he's famous for are from you know an earlier period they're from the 40s they're from the 50s they're from the early 60s Uh, so, you know, a lot of our audience may not have seen his stuff, but you may have heard of the film Citizen Kane. Even if you haven't seen it, you may have heard it referenced as uh, one of the most famous movies of all time. I mean, he's done, Orson Welles did so many movies. F is for Fake is a, is, is, is a absolutely fantastic one. The Third mm -hmm. Man is like one of the greatest noir films of all time. His version of Kafka's The Trial is fantastic. Mm -hmm. That's really, really good. I mean, there's also the famous apocryphal story that his War of the Worlds radio adaptation from 1938 oh, yeah. caused widespread panic among the people of New York City. It does seem that that was something of an exaggeration, but it was a smash success and everybody loved it. So, Yeah. So he's, he's like widely considered one of the best American directors of all time. And so it's in addition to, you know, him having his own conviction about Kazan. I actually, I, one of the reasons I like that clip is that like Wells is at this point when he makes this statement, an absolute superstar, like mm -hmm. celebrity. And he's sticking to that conviction, even though, you know, Orson Welles was no socialist or anything, but necessarily, but like just the fact that he's like, you can't rat out your fucking friends mm -hmm. to the government and then just go live a cushy life. And, you know, he's, this, that would be like if Martin Scorsese came out and said that, or like uh, Steven Spielberg today. Mm -hmm. Well, and so. I mean, like he's also, a Wisconsin boy. He's from Kenosha. <laughs> really? Yeah. Interesting. But mm -hmm. but yeah, and just like to round out like the background of this movie cinematically, uh, On the Waterfront was an immediate gigantic success. Mm -hmm. uh, law like wildly uh, acclaimed at the time and con is still considered by many, you know, film critics and people in the movie industry to be a, a classic of cinema and specifically Marlon Brando's lead performance uh, for which he won on an Oscar for best actor is widely considered one of the best like individual acting performances in uh, Hollywood history. Yeah. Brando's performance in this is also like one of the most references 
referenced performances in film history. There's a lot of lines he says in this that ended up getting permutated and repeated through a lot of other media, particularly the like, uh, I could have been a contender line. Yeah, you hear that, that echo like the 80s. Every movie had someone saying I could have been a contender. The Sopranos oh, I did. A, I could have been a contender bit. I know that yeah, one. So, I bet I can throw this football over those mountains. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uncle Rico. <laughs> yeah. So so that's the that's the background for the for the movie. You know, it was put together based on the series of investigative articles and then seized on by Elia Kazan as this is a perfect opportunity for me to show see I was right and mm-hmm. everyone should praise me for my brave informing. So uh that's the 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 background for the movie. Let's go into what we thought about it. Cause from our, our discussions in the chat, uh, we may have some differences of opinions. So <laughs> I, I want to start direct- with I, I love to spend all the time and energy and money it takes to direct a major motion picture to prove that I'm right. That's when you <laughs> yeah. have to do all that. That means you were really right. <laughs> so I wanted to start with uh, the performances because with them being so acclaimed, uh, maybe it is that. I have seen them be turned into cliches and such because my note here is the dialogue in this movie sounds like it's from a comic book. Uh, Well, I mean, part of that is that it's the 50s and people sound like they're in a comic book because a lot of the old comic book lingo is 50s lingo. Mm. You got you to remember, <laughs> this is only about 50 years after uh, audiences in France nearly shit themselves because the film depicted a train coming at the camera and they thought they were going to be hit by a train. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and I mean, on that, I guess they... Okay, so I love the sets of this film, but one of the first things that I remember is that scene where the person is being thrown off the roof, and it is very clearly a stiff mannequin being, like, just tossed off the roof. I mean, yeah, that's, sure, but that's, But it's also the only super cheesy prop in the film, so... Yeah, although I I remember I read a story about this one production thing and I don't remember it, but there's there probably the most famous scene in the movie um where Terry is talking with his brother Charlie in the cab uh, and he gives the whole I could have been something, I could have been a contender line. That scene is one of the most obviously like fake car rides ever because they don't even have the window shade in the back open and i believe that was because of a problem with the set and they just had to fudge it but it's and so now it sticks out to me every time i see it because it's funny because like the brando's performance in that scene is an all-timer it's like that's that largely that's a big part of why he won the oscar but it's like so clearly it's like this is a set this is not a car Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, wow. You know, actually, I think I missed that. And maybe I'm not that observant, but I guess, like, I was thinking of, like, you know, the the bar or even, like, the houses, you know, they're decorated really nicely and they're all different and have, like, kind of their own character. I thought that that was pretty good. Yeah, well, I I think it's kind of odd that uh, Brando, and I know he was already like a star at this time. Uh, people, he was a, he was a name, but uh, it's odd that his performance is the one everybody lauds because the the villain makes the picture, and the guy who played Johnny <laughs> Friendly did yeah, a Cobb. fabulous job. He is so so good. I would love mm-hmm. to see him play the CEO of a shipping company or another right. character that I could really sink my teeth into fucking hating. 